0: Have you ever wondered about the monsters we've read or seen? What's the history of them? What dark, innate aspect of humanity do they represent? What do they say about ourselves? I wonder the same exact thing, which is why I created a series meant to celebrate and dive in headfirst into the mythology behind the monster. But I'm not just cracking open myths and legends, I'm also going to be exploring monsters in our favorite books, TV shows, movies, and even video games. So then join me as Project Monster begins now. Hello everyone, Merry Holidays to you all. I hope you're having a safe and wonderful holiday or holidays this year. On this very special episode of Project Monster, we're taking a quick dive, not at just two monsters, but seven Christmas monsters. These are monsters from all around the world, all different cultures and traditions. There is some overlap with maybe a couple of them, Uh, but overall the format for this episode is going to be a a little more relaxed. I don't have a full script uh, written out necessarily as we've got seven monsters to cover, but I'm going to be sharing uh, notes on them more casually than usual. Um, so, uh, also do note that some of the monsters have much more fleshed out and established lore than others. So some will seem super short in comparison while others have obviously a lot more detail and then a lot more say traditions based off of them. So with that being said, from the Yuletide Cat of Iceland to Lussi in Scandinavia. And of course, I would not forget about the big old man himself, Krampus. So let's go ahead and let's dive into our very first monster and get right to it. The Yule slash Christmas cat originates from Icelandic culture and is based on a fashion legend. Legend has it if a child does not receive new clothes for Christmas, the Yule Cat will descend to eat the child for their lack of new garments. The legend goes back as far as the Dark Ages, but did see a resurgence in stories in the 19th century. According to tradition, children who completed their chores before Christmas would receive new clothes as a gift. Lazy or naughty children, however, that slacked on their chores, meant no new clothes, and thus the wrath of the Yule cat. The cat is described to be as tall as a home, and prowls on Christmas night, looking through windows of houses to view the presents for children. If the cat sees clothes among the gifts, he will leave the house be. If he does not, the cat will eat the dinner of the child, and then finally eat the child in return. The Yule Cat is related to another monster we will cover, or rather a whole 13 of them. The Yule Cat is owned by two trollish owners, Gryla and Lepaladi, who are also said to be the mother and fathers of the Yule Lads. The Christmas cat has a very simple meaning at the end of the day. Like many Christmas monsters, he is there to teach children to be generous and kind to one another. Selfishness will only lead to a horrible death at the paws of a ferocious beast. Staying in the realm of Icelandic tradition, we have next up the Yule Lads. These 13 lads descend on the 13 days leading up to Christmas. Tradition states that if children leave shoes outside their home on Christmas night, the lads will leave either treats or gifts in the shoes overnight. But if they were bad children that year, they would receive rotten potatoes instead in their shoes. Though their current behavior is not necessarily evil today, their original origins are much darker and weirder in comparison. The Yule Lads are the children of two entities known as Gryla and Lepalodi, who themselves are troll-like creatures that descend from the mountains in the Christmas season. In the old tales, each lad was more of a trickster than anything else. Much like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, the Yule lads are usually depicted as older, shorter, although some are bigger than normal, men who are much older and have facial hair, graying. Each of their names accords to their intentions and their actions on the 13 days, and they also leave sometime after Christmas, including January. Here are some of their very odd and kind of funny names. Sheep Coat Claude, who harasses sheep but is impaired by his stiff peg legs. Gully Gawk hides in gullies and waits for an opportunity to sneak into the cow shed and steal milk. Stubby, he's an abnormally short little dwarf kite creature, steals pans to eat the crust left off them. Then there is another one called Spoon Licker, who steals and licks spoon <laughs> who steals and licks wooden spoons <laughs> and he is extremely thin due to malnutrition. Then we have Pot Scraper, who steals the leftover from pots, and also another odd one, simply called bowl licker, who hides under beds waiting for someone to put down their asker, which is a type of bowl uh, with a lid that's used instead of dishes, which he then steals and then licks them. Now moving away from Icelandic tradition, we take a look at Frau Persta. Frau Perchte, or also known as the Witch of Christmas, is a Germanic legend originating from the northern areas in Germany originally. She is said to appear during the 12 days of Christmas and visits the homes with children of both good and bad nature. Her original origin included the forbidding of spinning on the day that she visits people's homes. Spinning meaning the spinning of string slash thread like for tailoring. It's been said that she can appear as a beautiful and very pale woman or an old elderly hag type creature. But she does contain a unique appearance trait, that being a single very large goose slash swan leg. Yet she is also rumored to be a shapeshifter and her form depends on how good or naughty a child is when seeing her. If you think this woman isn't interesting enough, she is also said to be one of the leaders of the famed Wild Hunt. The Wild Hunt is said to be an army of ill omen and mischief, which includes in its ranks elves, fairies, trolls, and demons. The hunt is chaos incarnate, and Frau Perchta is one of their leaders. She is rumored to embark from her mountainous home on the three Thursday nights before Christmas where, according to an article from burrowsofthedead.com, quote, Legend has it if you hear the wind and thunder roaring and rumbling through the mountains on the Birchtel Nights, You're really hearing the sounds of Perchta leading the wild hunt. In addition to her elves and demons, she is also said to have an army of souls of unbaptized children who follow her every whim and will. On the twelfth night of Christmas, she will enter the homes filled with children, good or bad. When she enters, if a child was good, she will leave a pure silver coin next to the child's nightstand when they awake the next morning. However, if they were bad children, and I do have to warn, this part is very graphic and explicit and it does involve a horrible act happening to a child and that's just a fair warning in advance. If she finds a bad child, she would then slice open the child's stomach, string out their insides, and then she would stuff their bodies with straw and pebbles. Our next monsters up for our nice Christmas countdown is, and I do apologize to all potential Greek and uh, Greece-based listeners out there for this horrible pronunciation I'm about to say, uh, if you get a 1,000 years of bad Christmas luck, that's on me, and I'm so sorry. It is the Kala Kansori. I'm hoping I pronounced that right. These creatures are Christmas monsters originating from Greece, uh, but also have Siberian, uh, Bulgarian, and Albanian folklore roots as well. In the Greece-based legends, the creatures are described by some to be half-goat slash hooved ugly hairy monsters that usually live under the surface of the earth all year round except for the 12 days of Christmas. They are said to be also quite short and stout, and in almost all the legends, except for the Albanian cousins, which are said to be undead corpses which rattle and drag chains and have deadly breaths a part of them. Uh, back to their Greece origins, however. They also have varying aspects of animal features, such as boar tusks, cloven hooves, goat-slash-monkey ears in some cases, and, of course, glowing red eyes. They are also said to have a horrendous smell, which can sometimes be a warning of their soon-coming arrival. The monsters stay underground for most of the year, sawing at the world tree, so the legend says. They saw endlessly throughout the year, and as they are about to topple it, that's when they realize that the 12 days of Christmas have come. The creatures then make their way up to the surface world, where they can cause mischief to us. Once Christmas ends, or the sun moves again on January 6th, according to old records, they then return to the underworld and see that the world tree has fully healed itself in their absence, and then they begin song again endlessly until the next Christmas, the next year. There's an additional legend that says any child born on the 12 days of Christmas actually runs the risk of turning into one of them. The only way to prevent this is said to tie the baby to a stalk of garlic and straw and singe their toenails. Along with this legend, it also states that anyone born on a Saturday is said to be able to see and speak to these little creatures. What if you find yourself in the middle of their terror spree? What can you do to protect yourself from these horrible little monsters? Some people leave a colander outside their door on Christmas night to distract the monsters because it's said that they cannot count to three, due to three being considered a holy number. So they will be distracted all night with the holes of the colander, and when dawn comes, they will run back to their underground home once again. It's also said that if you burn a Yule log or dirty old socks slash shoes overnight in your fireplace, this helps keep them away from your home. Now, I do want to mention that for safety reasons, of course, nowadays, this is probably not a good idea to leave a fire unattended overnight, obviously. So just want to get that quick little preface around. But, you know, people do have their traditions and their traditions are their traditions. Now, the origin of the monsters is said to have come from the elegant and bombastic parties of actually ancient Rome, where people were said to wear masks to hide their faces as they celebrated and reveled in the festivities in their serbian folklore counterparts the creatures would jump on the back of anyone at night and demand to be taken anywhere and everywhere they wanted to go until dawn which they would then release the person that they attacked in another variation they specifically targeted get this adulterers since the adulterer would have to sneak out at night most likely in order to cheat on their significant others the goblinoid creatures would sit atop the doorways leading out of the cheaters home and once they walked under the monster would leap on their back they would then scratch at it lash at it with twigs and branches and force them to run around aimlessly in the cold winter forests It's said that this story is mainly used to deter cheaters, and for people to be discouraged from going out at night to do any sort of bad activities alike. The Kaurakankalos. Now admittedly these are one of those monsters where there just isn't a lot of material that I could find online. They are very closely related to the Greek monsters that we just covered, but they do have some uh, different roots, in particular what they are called, which is what really got my eye. and just made me kind of want to really cover them and i'll reveal it here in just a second but uh these creatures originate from serbia turkey bulgaria and macedonia and this is why i like to cover them these creatures are usually called the christmas bigfoot i'm not even kidding they appear during the christmas holidays to surprise random individuals around their corners on city streets once they jump you on the street they will ask you a riddle and if your riddle does not or rather if your answer does not contain the word black in the answer the monsters will swipe at you and kill you instantly they've been also said to have the ability to mimic voices of loved ones and friends to you know kind of help lure people to them Um, again unfortunately there just isn't a lot more information on these creatures although i really loved them just because i wanted to just say that i could at least look into a monster called christmas bigfoot to me that's just so wholesome and i loved it so that is the uh Cara um hopefully you know i can find some more maybe later update episodes on it and kind of get these guys there the justice they deserve for a lot more information but unfortunately that's really all i could find because most pieces were just kind of scraping the surface so kind of sucks but here's to you christmas bigfoots out there you got acknowledged you deserve it the recognition's all yours all right so now we are closing in on our top two monsters to cover for the christmas season this one um again it kind of has more of a original story to it but there's a bit of a a nice kind of twist uh when it comes to it this is lussie Now, the legend comes from Syracuse in Sicily in about the 2nd century. It follows a woman named Lucy, who was said to have had become a devout follower of God after prayers of her mother's illness to be cured were answered. She swore a life of kindness and servitude and chastity in specific to God because of this act. She then used her dowry money to buy food for less fortunate people than herself, but in order to transport this food, she would need both arms free. So, she wore a crown of candles burning on her head in order to help her see the way through the darkness. She earned her title as Lucy the Illuminate for this act. Now, the legends are a little foggy on who exactly accused Lucy of the crime of practicing Christianity. Now, this was at a time, I should preface, when practicing Christianity was considered a taboo and was forbidden and outlawed. But some say that the one who accused her was an angered lover um, for whom that she rejected beforehand. And then when arrested and charged, she was given the ultimatum to renounce her faith, or be burned at the stake. Now Lucy refused, and when the day came for her execution, something mystical happened. The flames would refuse to touch Lucy at all and would not burn her. When this failed, unfortunately, she was still killed by the slice to the throat by a sword instead. Now Later on, as time progressed, Scandinavian culture and Christianity culture slash folklore began to see this sort of combining event occurring. The Norse people believe that the coming of winter, particularly the winter solstice, uh, was called the longest dark period. This mainly adds the winter themes of darkness and cold bringing death in its wake. You see a lot less animals during the winter time, uh, trees are losing their leaves, and snow is kind of covering the earth, that type of deal. The night between the 12th and 13th of December were considered the darkest nights and thus allowed for strange supernatural events to occur. It was believed that on this night, animals inside barns could talk once a year and they gossip to each other over the year's end. Um, However, it may be likely that the legend of Lussie comes from the confusion with St. Lucy the Illuminous and Lucifer, whose name means the bringer of light. This confusion created the creature that we now know as Lussie. Now, The actual information on Lussie is diverse, but it's somewhat sparse. In a blog by Legends of the North, it's stated that Lussie is a creature that peers inside the windows of homes with a distorted woman's face. If she sees that there is work yet to be done in the home on the night of the 12th to the 13th, she will then scream a horrid sound of disapproval, where she will then either enter through your chimney, she will break down your doors, or she will even take out a whole section of your wall to take you or your children away in the night. Now, in another article by BBC Arts, Lussie is said to be a demon who rides on a broomstick who has a group of evil trolls and other demons at her side. She and her motley crew would destroy crops, kill farm animals, and steal anyone Foolish enough to be out late at night on the darkest day. Now, the main takeaway from Lucy is very similar to Frau uh, Perchta, which is to not be lazy, to finish your chores slash work as a child, or you'll find a Christmas witch coming to take you away in the night. Now we finally arrive at the star, monster, and recent anti-celebrity in recent years, the great and greatly feared Krampus. Krampus originates from the 1600s Austrian Alpine region, sharing similarities to other Christmas Punishers like Belschnickel, who comes from a similar Germanic origin. His name has meaning in German, which roughly translates to claw. It's believed and theorized that Krampus' origins most likely predates Christianity and is rooted deep in paganism like the traditional Krampuslof, which means Krampus run. He appears to have a humanoid, goat-like body with very large horns on his head and chains wrapped around his body that he likes to shake and rattle. He is also said to carry a birch branch, which is what he uses to whip bad children. Uh, His description and appearance and celebration of tradition leads many anthropologists to suggest that he may have witch-like roots, whereas the chains are meant to symbolize Christianity's attempt to, quote, chain the devil, but also could be remnants of pagan ritual rites, too. He is described as having a tongue so long it has to be rolled up to fit properly in his mouth. His fur is black-slash-brown in color, and he stands very tall with goat legs and dangerous fangs. Reports say that Krampus carries a birch branch in order to beat children and swat children on the night that he descends and climbs up from hell to our world. In these same reports he is said to carry a sack like that of saint Nick, but instead stashes bad children inside of it for him to then take them back to hell once the night ends. Krampus's signature night is known as Krampusnacht, which is where he comes up to the earth from hell, sometimes with St. Nick himself on actually December 5th or December 6th, according to some sources, to prowl the streets for bad children. On this night, he can whip children like mentioned above, or kidnap them to hell, but also has been known to leave coal in their stockings, which may have inspired the modern-day myth of Santa Claus as we know him now. As a bonus fact, it is also customary to offer Krampus a type of alcoholic drink called Krampus schnapps, which is a type of distilled brandy, so if you don't want to visit from Krampus this year, Lay out that Krampus schnapps, people. You don't want this guy coming to your home, I'll tell you what. Now, Krampus has appeared in many forms of media and is known as sort of the anti-Santa. Since he does the opposite of Santa by giving out punishments rather... Uh, than, say, like toys and treats like Santa usually does. Now, Pop Culture America was introduced to The Christmas Fiend in the 2015 horror comedy film Krampus, but his fame still existed even before that. In fact, Krampus is still a muchly celebrated monster in the modern day, especially in his country of origin, Austria. Krampus's meaning is a simple one that almost all the monsters today have covered be good the only way to avoid a christmas card from these horrible monsters is to be good um, of a person as much as you can possibly be the reason for the season is to do good to others and care for one another it is about giving but not necessarily in the way of say like giving material objects but sometimes in giving good to your fellow people When people give good, the warm light of the yuletide season remains bright and strong. It is within our nature to be flawed people, and we can understand transgressions against us. But in the end, we can still perfect as much good as we can the bad. And for that reason alone, it's the duty of us on this Christmas day to choose good. Choose to be good on this day because the good that you do will be valued from the smallest to the biggest of ways. On this day, you are valued for making it another year here on this earth. Whenever you are on this Christmas day, or wherever you are on this Christmas day, remember to take value in the good in your life and the people who are good to you. As much as they value to you in terms of their goodness, You, in turn, give them value. We bond over the kinships that we make in our lives, and sometimes we lose them. Whether it's through arguments and missayings, or it is unfortunately through death, in which we lose these people much too early. The bond that you have with your family, your friends or your spouses, your children, is what allows Christmas spirit to be most prevalent. Christmas is finding joy and happiness in the darkest and coldest of times. So on this Christmas day, give warmth and light to those who need it most. Remember those who were lost and embrace their light and keep their memories alive for traditions to come. Remember the reason for the season. Happiness. And on that note, thank you for joining me on another episode of Project Monster. And I hope all of you have a wonderful holiday time. Uh, I hope that all your festivities are safe. I know with COVID especially and this whole whole 2020 year has been quite the bumpiest of roads that we have probably felt in quite a long time. That at least on this note, we can bring 2020 to a nice hushed end and just kind of remark and look back and try to focus on the good that occurred this year so and with that in mind and with that regard happy holidays to all of you i will see you next year for our first episode of 2021 and here's the hoping that's going to be a great one happy holidays again be safe Uh, be married together, and of course, like I said before, be happy. See ya!